Hey there, thank you so much for joining us for a special joint broadcast. It's a, uh, a Big Time Talker podcast and also a Zoom Into Books video cast with our friends from Headline Books and also Ballast Books, the publisher of Hope in the Heartache, a journey of grace and growth with a special needs child. The author is Kelly Speck, and the show is brought to you by our friends at SpeakerMatch.com, the world's largest online virtual speakers bureau. As things open back up in 2022 for in-person meetings, if you are a platform speaker or your meeting planner, you can get together and find one another on the robust platform of speakermatch.com. Kelly Speck never saw herself as an author. She never saw herself as anyone special, but life's circumstances has led her to release the book, uh, Hope in the Heartache, later on this month. She is the mom of three, including Bennett, who threw her a little bit of a curveball. Kelly Speck, thanks for being here today. Thanks for having me, Burke. It's a true pleasure. So this book is about lots of things, but <laughs> it primarily is about your journey with your husband, Travis, through um, something you didn't see coming, and that is the birth of Bennett. So take us back to to your pregnancy and uh, sort of your hopes and dreams and aspirations as to what you saw happening in the future. And then how, uh, got through a little bit of a curveball there. Yeah, definitely. Um, just to give you a little background. I, um, I always say my husband, Travis and I were raised on two different Hills. He was raised in the Hills of Nashville, Tennessee. I was raised on Capitol Hill. My dad, um, worked on Capitol Hill my whole life. I grew up in Northern Virginia, kind of, you know, just was a DC suburb kid. Um, right. Travis and I actually met at school in college, which is in Texas, which is a whole nother story, but we ended up back in DC starting our careers to, um, young professionals, you know, dinks, double income, no kids saving for our first house, you know, working hard. Um, we were quite boring really. I mean, we just worked, we were like involved with like our church. We did not have an exciting life whatsoever, but we were, I would say pretty type a planners. So we kind of had, you know, the checklist of how we thought we were supposed to do life college check, grad school check save for the first house. We were working on that. Um, and then we found out we were pregnant with our first child and we were so excited. And um, after a relatively um, normal pregnancy, I would say, which included, um, you know, prenatal yoga, reading all the books, re you know, have, coming up with our birth plan and just kind of go to every doctor's appointment, ready to go to meet this first baby. He was um, the first baby, uh, the first grandchild on my side of the family and, um, and the, the third on Travis's side of the family. So there's just a lot of excitement and anticipation leading up to, we found out he was going to be a boy and we'd already named him um, Bennett Mitchell Speck and we were just super excited to meet him. Um, and it, it had a full-term pregnancy and um, right leading up, I was about 38 weeks and four days. I kind of wasn't feeling good and all the books had said that's normal right before you go into labor, be ready. And um, long story short, I went into labor and um, went to the hospital at first, they let me labor for a little bit, and they said, you know what, he's not, his baby's really not looking that happy. I think we're going to go ahead and do C-section, and at that point, I said, sure, absolutely. Um, we're just going to meet our little guy, and that's kind of when everything turned on a dime. Can you take me back to that time in the operating room and what the feeling was around you and when you knew things were going sideways? Right, Definitely. Um, you know, I was laying there on the table and um, Travis was at my head and we were just, you know, talking and just couldn't believe this moment was happening. And then they opened me up, pulled Bennett out and it was silence in the room. Um, there was no crying. There was just um, 
kind of attention you could cut with a knife immediately. And, you know, tugs, pulls, and then all of a sudden, um, a nurse had been wrapped in a blanket, showed us his face and said, here's your baby and ran out the door. Um, and I just remember the door swinging as she left. And I thought, huh, that's not how the books had said it was going to go. I thought I was going to hold him and skin to skin and all that good stuff. And um, we very quickly realized, okay, he's just being taken to the NICU. They're going to check out a few things. You know, we didn't realize how baby coming out, not crying is is really not a good thing. And we didn't know at that time his APGAR scores, which are the initial um, numbers given to babies to determine their health were as low as you can get. Um, and so I don't remember much. Of course, as they got me into recovery, I think Travis was an escorted down to the NICU, which it, it was a smaller hospital here in DC. Um, and one that has the best reputation for, you know, the best experience as a, to have your baby and maybe get a massage afterwards. But quickly they said, your baby needs to be transported to a, a higher level NICU immediately. He, um, he at that point, we, we knew he had, his lungs were full of pneumonia. We knew that he um, possibly could have had Basically, they were going to do a cooling treatment, which is kind of to cool him down. If, if there had been an oxygen depletion to his brain, that would kind of help with that situation. You know, we we were so blindsided. Have, neither one of us had any type of medical background. We, we truly had no idea what was going on. But in the back of my head, I was like, oh, I have a lot of friends whose babies have had to spend a couple of days in the NICU. Okay, you know, not what I was expecting, but I had no idea the gravity of, of just how sick he had been born. Kelly Speck is our guest today. She's uh, the author of her first book, Hope in the Heartache, Journey of Grief and Grace and Growth uh, with a Special Needs Child. It's from Ballast Books. Um, I'm a parent and I, look, you have a great smile and you've got some distance between now and then, but I can't even imagine what must have been going on in your mind and your husband's mind once you realized the gravity of the situation, I don't want to put you in a bad spot, but what does that do to a mom? What does that do to your husband? Yeah. You know, that's a great question. I, I would say um, I tend to just be a glass half full type person. And I, I, and perhaps it was all the drugs I was on. I mean, you know, I was on a lot of painkillers. I, I was, I was, I would just call it a holy numbness. I did not realize how bad it was for the first, I would say, two days at least. But my husband tells this story. Um, at that point, we had one car, you know, I, we were at this one hospital, my mom was with me. And at that point, I had a low grade fever, they couldn't figure out did I have some sort of infection that had passed to the baby? I mean, there were just so many questions, no doctor, no one had an answer. So they said, Okay, the baby's going to this other hospital. Dad, do you want to follow the ambulance? And Travis, of course, said, Well, yes. And he, as he left me in the hospital, not in the best of shape, you know, he hopped in his old 1995 black Toyota Camry and was following the ambulance to what would be Georgetown um, NICU. And he said in that moment, he knew his life would never be the same. He just, his gut told him, I don't know what's going on, but you know, this is a game changer. And then he got to the NICU all alone, you know, had never been, had never been to that hospital, never been to the NICU, walked in, you know, aimlessly, you know, where's, where's my newborn son? It, it basically was just the, 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 the worst nightmare you could ever imagine um, for two first time parents. And I think we both coped in different ways, you know, in days and months and years to come. Um, and we've each had our journey in that way, but um, it was definitely just, I hate to say my, the day of my birth, my son's birth was our worst nightmare, but it really was in every way, everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. And by the way, the book comes out at the end of May. If you would like a uh, personalized copy of the book, 
uh, and you'd like to get it in advance of the, the mass release at the end of the month, you can go to hopeintheheartache.com, hopeintheheartache.com, and a portion of the book's proceeds will be donated to Jill's House. What is Jill's House? I'm so glad you asked. Jill's House is a not-for-profit, very near and dear to our heart. It's actually located here in the D.C. area in Northern Virginia, um, right outside of um, Washington, D.C., um, and it is a, a respite home for um, kids with disabilities. It's a, they do both daytime and overnight and weekend respite for, for kids with all sorts of disabilities, um, and they accept anyone and everyone, regardless on race, religion, um, socioeconomic status and their their whole goal is to love on these kids but also to support the families um both you know single moms married parents um typical siblings who just need a little bit of time and attention it's just been just really a game changer in our family's um journey and we have partnered with them in many ways and i um, just really love them and really feel passionate about their call because actually we learned in the NICU as they um later on in our story, which you can read about, but, you know, we basically were told, you know, the divorce rate is extremely high for um, parents with any type of child with a disability. So do your best to not be one of the statistics. You know, I think it's between 80 and 90%. And so to us, Jill's house is just, you know, one of the many amazing not-for-profits who kind of walk alongside and journey um, with families, you know, during, you know, no, no road of parenthood is easy. Obviously, we all know that we have two now typical, quote unquote, typical kids, whatever that means. And, you know, parenthood is never easy for anybody. But obviously, um, parents with kids with disabilities just have extra um, complexities that, that can really take a toll. Kelly Speck is our guest today on the Big Time Talker podcast, and the book is Hope in the Heartache. Um, what is Bennett's condition now? How old is he? And, and when you finally found out what was happening, what did they tell you? Sure. So um, basically, um, Bennett lived when he should have died, and that is all chronicled in the book. And when he we did when he lived, we were beyond elated and so 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 happy. And they said, "Hey, we need to do an MRI just to make sure you know we're, um, he had been intubated at that point, you know, breathing tube for forty days, and we're just going to take a look at his brain, you know, before we extubate him." And we were like, "Absolutely!" And so when they extubated or when they did the MRI, they actually found out that he had um, experienced a significant oxygen depletion the last day of life support that he was on. And, and that was all detailed out in our book. And so we had the joy of he's alive. And then we were snacked with, and he has significant brain damage, you know, a quadriplegic cerebral palsy diagnosis is what we were to expect. Um, you know, they felt like his left side was more compromised than his right. He might be able to talk, he might be able to walk, wait and see, you know, kids are resilient, do all those therapies is kind of what we were just, you know, released into the world to do. And so we, we gave it our best, best, best shot um, there, especially for, you know, early intervention is always so key as, as many parents know. And so we did lots and lots and lots of physical therapy and PT and OT and speech. Um, and Ben is now 14, uh, he'll be 15 this August. And I would just say we, you know, he is a happy, happy dude. He loves the Wiggles. Anyone who's ever watched the Wiggles, they're a musical delight. But he um, spends his days sitting in a wheelchair. He cannot um, sit, stand, or walk on his own independently. He is fed 100% via G-tube, so he cannot eat by mouth just due to too many aspirations and pneumonias, and we were trying to get that going. Um, yeah, he's nonverbal, but he can definitely smile or scream. So he, he, he has, he's figured out his ways to communicate, even though he doesn't actually have words. Um, and, you know, he's one of the greatest gifts we've ever been given. He, he He's just his shifted our perspective on everything. And, you know, we were 29 years old when he was born. So we, um, uh, you know, were baptized by fire into parenthood and just 
um, everything we thought, you know, we would be working toward towards life, you know, took a, took a major diversion and major turn. And at that point, we were devastated, but we honestly didn't know um, he's, he's the best perspective we've ever been given because it's really changed everything about the way we live our lives professionally, but even just as parents to our other two kids. What an uplifting story, especially as we head into Mother's Day. Uh, and as you said, you're the mother of three kids. I, I'm curious, just from a sort of a logistical standpoint, what are some of the big obstacles that come with having a, a kid like Bennett, who you said is confined to a wheelchair, you know, 24-7, very limited communication uh, ability? What are the, the obstacles day-to-day that you guys have to overcome? Sure. You know, and I think those, um, they are constantly <laughs> uh, ebbing and flowing as we speak. But, you know, when the, when our younger two kids, so Bennett was the big brother. So, so um, when he was three, we had our second child. And then when he was five, we had our, our baby girl. So basically we have two boys and a girl. And, um, you know, they're all, he's all they've ever known as a big brother. I, I would say early on, it was just keep everyone alive. You know, I would I'd have Bennett in his, you know, I tried to have him in the standard to be getting, you know, because it's so important to stand for his bone health. And I'll never forget the day I was unstrapping him from his standard. And Jackson, our very agile uh, t- toddler, you know, was going to, to stand up on, on a table and pull a lamp down so there comes the lamp on top of his head while Bennett is literally about to fall out of his standard and I just remember screaming and being like I can't be in two places at once and he fell I think Bennett rolled out everyone somehow didn't get hurt and it was just I I felt the burden of oh my gosh you know it 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 was just everything was amped up a level I would say when they were little and we were trying to keep them all fed alive and their diapers changed but um three three kids and three diapers is no easy feat I would just say that but you know, as they've all grown now, as I have been a teenager with two quasi tweens, they're not, our daughter's nine and our son is 11. Right. Um, it's a lot more of the emotional stuff of just, um, Bennett is a homebody and likes to be home. And he's a, a man who likes his routines. I, I won't paint a broad brush, but I think a lot of men like their home and their routines. And what are you saying? He, <laughs> what are you saying? <laughs> I'm not insinuating anything, but uh, he likes what he likes. And, you know, the other two have very active lives with sports and activities and school and friends. And so it is, it, we're in a whole new world of just trying to gently figure out the new dance. Uh, how do we honor Bennett with a lot of times that means staying home and having someone sit with him and let the other two see the world, experience life and relationships and, and um, just the beauty that life has to hold for them. And so some weeks we get it great and everyone's thriving and other weeks everyone's crying and, you know embarrassed that Bennett was screaming at their basketball game or you know we had to leave the restaurant early because Bennett you know wanted to go home and and so stuff like that is not easy and and I never we would never ever ever try and portray that we have this figured out or that everything's great you know it's all tied up with a red bow now you know it's it's definitely challenging and that's where um we just hope we can be an encouragement and support to other families that they're not alone and that even in the hardest moments, there is hope. We've, we've always felt that and known that and even still joy, you know, um, and we've just been really, really grateful for just the joy that Bennett has brought into our life. And um, yeah, that's why we wrote the book. <laughs> you are a pretty positive lady, Kelly Speck. Kelly Speck is the author of Hope and the Heartache. The book comes out at the end of the month. If you'd like one in advance, you get a personalized signed copy at hopeintheheartache.com. The link is posted in the comments if you happen to be watching uh, live right now on social media you can send us your questions or comments uh, for kelly speck and uh, you mentioned earlier the huge rate of divorce 
amongst parents of special needs kids. So that didn't happen for you and Travis. And I wonder if you might be able to give a couple of tips for maybe parents of special needs kids who are listening right now, watching right now. How do you, uh, how do you make it not go completely off the rails? And did it come close for you to going completely? <laughs> sure. Off the rails? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, that's a fantastic question. I know it's, 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 affecting so so many people especially through COVID and isol you know special needs families a lot of times already feel isolated from life and then you throw COVID on it and, and you know it's like isolation on top of isolation I would say the one thing I have heard um, as a result of that is so many parents who it's hard to leave their homes and we completely can relate to that sure. so many online groups have started and um, there are some wonderful one wonderful ministry I've recently heard about it's called rising above ministries it supports single moms single dads married parents um, it, it, there's just so many more online resources and I would really encourage people to reach out because um, there's so much comfort in finding that other people get it when I say get it it doesn't even have to be, you know, oh, you understand what it's like to have a child with cerebral palsy. Just you get that it's really hard um, having siblings, you know, resent their special needs brother or sister. And how do you, you know, shepherd both their hearts and get honor everybody who is part of this family you know, and just kind of and marriage wise, I would just say therapy is a great thing. And we have done that and we will continue to do that. We have had it's, you know, life is hills and valleys and um, our valleys, you know, usually <laughs> the stress always amps up around a major surgery, a major sickness, um, you know, long-term hospitalization, which we've kind of dealt with all of those. And um, one time we found ourselves really not liking each other and at the, to, and two seats in front of a therapist and gave her the Cliff Notes version of Bennett's birth, our marriage. Um, you know, we had been married seven years before Bennett. Thank God we had that foundation because, um, heading at, you know, obviously the level of stress for those early years, especially, but we were just talking her through and she said, do you realize it feels like your marriage, you know, your, your marriage has been under assault. And we said, yeah, that's the way it feels. Thanks for putting words to it. You know, and I think it, it's not just us. I mean, so many, so many families are dealing, whether it's financial stress, job stress, um, you know, illness with a parent or a grandparent. I mean, there's just, life is hard and life is heavy. And I think seeking help in whatever that way may be, um, you know, a lot of the uh, parent support groups are free, which is awesome. A lot of therapists now are, there's a lot of, obviously mental health is a huge um, just focus right now in our society. And so anyway, we just strongly encourage that. A uh, medication is also something that we uh, we speak very openly about in our book in terms of just, um, just depression, anxiety, how that played a part in our family story. I um, mean, even, um, yeah, just my husband has a chapter for all those dads out there. I would just really encourage you. He's very open and honest of, as a father and um, you know, he's our main provider and just kind of just the extra burdens that those are. And just when your first son is born and you can't play with him, he can't say daddy, he can't, you know, throw the ball with you and that sort of thing. So anyway, we, we both tried to be very open and honest and, um, and just, it is truly our hope that it would, our book will be an encouragement to other families and that um, perhaps they can, you know, either take something that we've learned either the easy way or the hard way and just apply it to each unique circumstance. The book is Hope and the Heartache from Ballast Books. It is available in bookstores everywhere at the end of this month. If you'd like a personalized signed copy in advance, you can get one from Kelly uh, in advance at hopeintheheartache.com and a percentage of proceeds go to benefit Jill's house. You can find out more about them at jillshouse.org. Um, I know from talking to you prior to this interview 
that faith has played an important part in uh, your journey. And I wonder, as I talk to you, and you're so positive, and you smile easily, and you laugh about some of the things that happen, and how can you not? How did you get here to this place where you seemingly are ordinary people thrown into extraordinary circumstances, but you seem to have it together? How did you get here? Was faith a big part of that? that we have it together. We may appear that way. We, we're a hot mess behind the scenes. But I would just say, um, you know, we, Travis and I were both raised in families um, of faith. And, and, you know, were they perfect? No. Were the churches perfect? No. But we we just had always been raised um, in community in that way. And, and I'm so grateful for that. And I um, I know, obviously, even through COVID, you know, churches shut down. And, and, and you know, not, not everyone is even figuring out if they can even return, you know, based on logistics and obviously special needs families have just an added level of um, just just challenges to get in, into any type of a faith community. We are so grateful for um, for our faith, and and, I, and that's the thing. We we had nothing to give. I mean, many there there was when Bennett was on death's doorstep, um, literally, and uh, the church we were attending at that time, point, you know, had a prayer vigil for him and people came and prayed for him we couldn't even go because at that point we were afraid that if we left the hospital he might die while we were gone and so you know just having um really just the prayers and the support of so many people truly did sustain us and it's just our hope and prayer that we can be that to other people because I think when you've been given that kind of support there's really no way to thank people enough uh, um all you can do is you know, pass it on is, is kind of our hope but I I do encourage um there's so many good people out there um and I know we live in a really jaded time and everyone is cynical and angry and easily offended. But I also just really, really encourage um, people to look for the good, you know, whether it's, at, you know, a random, you know, at, at my son Bennett's school, he goes to a really wonderful public school here where we live. And, and just the people, I call them our little four scum. I mean, the people that have come into our life because of him, you know, have made our lives so much more wonderful and rich and full. And they're not necessarily people I would have ever met or chosen to meet did we not have been it, you know? And I, right. I just think keeping our eyes open to the, the people in our paths um, is, and just seeking the good and you'll find it, I promise. Like, I know it seems like a very hopeless time in our world and society, um, especially, I mean, that's why we wrote the book, coming out of 2020 and 2021, living in the DC area, I mean, I, I don't even have words to how just there was this level of just hopelessness. And I'm talking in, in a part of the country that is affluent and educated and has a lot of means. And I just remember thinking, I mean, our story is a story of hope, you know? I mean, Bennett, Bennett can't save the world, obviously, he can't in my opinion, but, um, but you know, this world needs a story of hope and we have that. And it's been so fascinating just to see, I didn't even have a manuscript written at that point. And just by luck of the draw or what I would consider not luck, but divine intervention, I um, met a friend who actually worked at Dallas Books at that point. And um, anyway, all I did was send them the first paragraph of our story. And they just said, whatever you do, don't stop writing, keep writing. And they are not a um, Christian publisher at all. And they said, I said, I'm, I'm not really willing to, you know, scrape out the faith aspect because it's such a huge part. And they said, don't you dare, you know, keep it all. And, you know, we just kept feeling this prompting to tell our story because um, everybody needs hope. Everybody needs some good news. And um, life doesn't always end, quote unquote, perfect, but there really is beauty. Um, 
I always say our life is not easy, but our life is beautiful. And, and both things can exist, you know, hardship and beauty can both exist hand in hand. And we just, every day that we have been it is just an example of that. And so, um, you know, we just want to share a story with the world and, and hope that um, it brightens people's days because he brightens every one of our days. Yeah, the title of the book is is great. It really encapsulates everything. Hope in the Heartache is the book. Kelly Speck is the author. It's from our friends at Ballast Books. Um, biggest obstacle or challenge on a day-to-day basis uh, for you? That is a great question. I haven't really thought about that lately. Um, you know, I would honestly just say, I mean, most honestly, trying to give our, our younger two kids um, the most normal of a childhood as possible. Well, how do they it. deal with that? I mean, because I'm sure you have to, uh, again, as a, a parent and any parent who's watching or listening will, will understand this. You have to give, frankly, Bennett a lot of extra attention. So do the other two resent that? How do they feel about their brother? I mean, what's that family dynamic like? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I mean, one of one of the things I realized early on, Bennett has no fine motor. So Bennett was never able to hold a bottle. He was never able to shake a rattle. He was never able to suck his thumb. He had no self-soothing um, ability. And so from birth, I've been his soother, Travis. Like we have soothed, we have had to find ways to self-soothe, whether that be listening to music. He's he's a very big auditory. Um, and I mean, really, music and or funny noises, the jingle of a bell, uh, the rip of a, or the pop of a plastic bottle, you know, he's just, but that is exhausting and that is never ending. I mean, if he's awake, he's needing to either be entertained or soothed. And so as a result, we always have the wiggles, nursery rhymes, some kind of music going in our house. And obviously now that my kids are, you know, heading towards the Justin Bieber uh, (laughs) world of musical you know, preference. Yeah. They're like, do we have to listen to this? And I'm like, yes. Cause guess what? Like you, when you, if you don't want to listen to this, you can go get on your iPad. You can go hop on the TV and watch something else. You can, you know, go outside and shoot basketball. Like this is Bennett's, this is his one happy thing and we're not taking it away. And to be honest, they get it. Like, I mean, they, like I said, he's the oldest. He's all they've ever known. But, um, you know, as they mature, um, they are realizing you know, as preschoolers, I'd have preschoolers running through my house, their friends, da, 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 and, and I love the innocence of, of, of young preschoolers because they say, why can't Bennett walk? Why can't Bennett talk? Why is he watching that? You know, and just the most innocent, pure questions. Sure. And I, at that point in my motherhood, I'm like, I better walk the walk. And I bet, you know, it, it, it's one thing to just say, oh, you know, and so I say, well, he was born really sick. You know, his brain got hurt, but guess what? He, he loves this and he loves that. And and I was giving simple answers then, but for my little two kids, they were listening and it was true. Bennett was born sick. Do we know why? No. Does it mean God loves him less than the two healthy kids? No, of course not. You know, do we understand why? No, but guess what? I mean, in, in our faith, you know, we believe one day we'll be in heaven and Bennett will probably be faster than all of us and probably a chatterbox and he'll probably be cheering for all the opposite football teams that we cheer for. And, and I can't wait to hear his opinions and we all can't wait to talk with him, you know, and I think that is kind of the eternal focus for us that is a game changer for the hard days here on earth because there's hard days. I, I will never say that there's not. Um, and the little two, I think, you know, I think as they grow into the teenage years, my hope is that they'll continue to be compassionate and, and mature towards him, but I know we have tough days ahead. And so um, we literally just take it one day at a time at this point. 
Kelly Speck is our guest. Hope in the Heartache is the book. It's about their family's journey with their special needs son, uh, Bennett, who's uh, cerebral palsy and is a quadriplegic. And uh, it sounds like a pretty amazing young man. Um, in the news this week, if you're watching or listening live, it's been uh, a big story. This, this leaked memo about uh, Roe v. Wade in the Supreme Court. I know, Kelly, you did not have any inkling until you're in the operating room that there was an issue with your son. Um, had you and Travis known early on that uh, Bennett would face all of these challenges and the way that it would also impact your family, do you think you might have made a different decision? Yeah, it hasn't been a week. I mean, you know, I Travis and I were actually just talking of just like, man, it's felt extra heavy this week. And, and, and to be quite honest, I've had a really big cry this week. And I'm like, what's going on? And I think the answer to that answers your question, because yes, for Bennett, um, I had we had no idea. You know, it was 40 weeks of normal, quote unquote, normalcy, bam, game changer, severe right. disability. The interesting thing is my youngest daughter, um, Reagan, at her 20-week ultrasound, we did find out about a birth defect that she had. And that, we talk about very openly in the book, was brutal. There's no other way sure. to say it. It was, such, it was such a gut punch. It was such, I, you've got to be kidding me. We've already had a child <laughs> with multiple, multiple surgeries. And, life, you know, and then all of a sudden to think of another newborn baby who's going to be born, quote unquote, not perfect and or needing surgeries. And that was a very tough pill to swallow for my husband and I. Um, and to be quite honest, no, we would never have considered not keeping her nor um, Bennett. And, and, and that's just based on our faith and our um, just always wanting to have children in whatever way that looks and, and, um, and, and willing to take the risk. And, and obviously life is about risk as we've learned through COVID. Um, and, and so I just would say, um, even though we were super, super type A control freaks in our young professional previous life, and we probably still are. I mean, people who met us today would be like, oh, you're really not that laid back. But, um, but you know, I think, you know, at the age of 29, when Bennett was born, we thought we had all the control. We quickly learned, you don't have no, you have no control. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I mean, you maybe have control over what you ate for breakfast this morning, but like you are, it, it, A, this is not about, life is not about you. And number two, there's really nothing you can do, you know, to make your child breathe or not breathe. And um, when, when all you want is for him to breathe. And so, you know, Reagan, if you saw her today, you would never know. Um, she is one of the strongest, fiercest, just awesome girls. Obviously she's the most awesome girl that I know. Um, and, I, and she's such a delight. And, and I'm like, wow, I know um, that not everyone makes the choice that we made, uh, but I'm so grateful for her life, as well as Bennett's, as well as my my complicated middle child, Jackson, who we love and adore. So they, they, <laughs> they each play Poor their Jack. unique roles in our family. And uh, yeah, I mean, each of them are a gift, 100%, and just completely different ways. And obviously anyone as a parent um, can relate to that. Somewhere out there right now, there is a mom who is listening or watching or a dad who's listening or watching, and they're having a challenge with their child. And it could be any number of challenges. You certainly have had more than your share of them. So as we wrap up, um, what advice would you give to that parent who's listening or watching right now who, who's facing a big challenge with their child? 
Yeah, I'm so glad you asked that, Burke, because I can actually speak to this because I literally was just on the phone with a sobbing mom about two weeks ago, a complete stranger. Um, I have a dear friend here in the DC area who has a colleague in, in Colorado, and she just said, would you please talk to this mom? She just got a diagnosis and she's devastated. And, um, and I said, absolutely. And so I, I, all I could say to her, I didn't know a thing about her background, her circumstances, um, but I, I just said, cry all the tears, feel all the feelings, grieve all the losses, the losses of what you thought like your pregnancy was gonna look like, the date of your baby's birth, you know? Um, and this child is not a terminal uh, diagnosis, it's just, you know, a curveball. And so um, I just think it is so important to, I mean, to not be patty positive. I mean, you know, I mean, I have grieved when I've needed to grieve, you know, I have I have felt the depth of losses that, you know, all the things that Bennett is not gonna be able to do and be that we perhaps may, might've envisioned for our first son. Um, and I also told her, please don't get on the internet and like do the deep dive. I, even though I think obviously we love information in our uh, culture and society, a lot of times it's really not helpful. I mean, all, all whether it be the worst case scenarios or the opinions of whoever, you know, just, I think a lot of just, um, individual heart time and whatever that looks like and self-care for me, it's usually a large McDonald's Coke. I mean, when I'm, sometimes I just need to hit the drive-through, you know, and if that's what makes <laughs> me in that moment, I do. And it's not diet, it's regular. Like, and that's probably appalling to any nutritionist listening to this, but I don't know. I mean, self-care, I think looks so different to so many people, but I definitely um, just encourage anyone in, you know, in that space to just have so much. My mom always says, be gentle on Kelly, you know, and I think she knows as adults, parents, you know, we, we, we just, we have to take care of our, ourselves before we can even attempt to, um, to love on the people around us. So that's just what I would, um, what I would encourage anyone, you know, sitting in a space like that. And you're not alone. You're not alone. <laughs> and, um, and there is hope. And, and, and I know hope means a lot of different things to different people, but you know, it's true. And, and I think one thing I'll just, sorry, I don't mean to keep labbing, but a, like a distant, distant, friend, acquaintance, you know, when we were going through everything with Bennett, she said to me, Kelly, you know, your story doesn't end here. This is not the last chapter of your, and she named it, of your book. I think she even said, little did we know we'd be writing a book, but that gave me a lot of like clarity in that way, because sometimes when you're in hell, for lack of a better word, or just deep, deep, deep pain and suffering, you can't even, there is no light at the end of the tunnel. You can't even see a light. The tunnel is, is endless at that point. But I just remember thinking like, okay, like this, it's not always going to feel like this. And, and that gave me the strength, you know, to wake up, you know, each morning after that and just, and show up in whatever way I could. And so, um, yeah, I would just say your story is not end here and there is hope. There's always hope. I, I truly believe that in, into the depths of my being. And what is your hope for this book? What do you hope that people take away from it? Our hope is just that people will number one be encouraged, that they will um, know that they're not alone, and that and it, and this book is not only for parents of kids with disabilities. I think those parents 100% will be able to relate to some of the things we talk about. But I also just think it's um, anyone walking through a season of suffering, anyone walking alongside um, a person in suffering. You know, we had family and friends who just walked alongside us and really 
beautiful ways. And we tried to point out and thank them for those ways in hopes that other people can say, gosh, you know, I just, because so many, I've had so many friends like, oh, I, you know, my childhood best friend just got this diagnosis. What do I do? For, you know, people want to help. They want to encourage and they just don't know how. And for, you know, for us who we have probably tended to be more private and or not wanted a house full of people all the time, you know, just the basics of like a card, a gift card, you know, feeding, just taking care of like the basic needs of people in their times of, of suffering. I feel like for some of it's just, just the most powerful ways of, sh of quote unquote showing up if they don't want you to be in person, <laughs> which a lot of times we didn't. And um, to be most honest, so Keep that positive attitude. Keep that smile coming. It's pretty infectious. <laughs> Thank you, Burke. The book is Hope in the Heartache, A Journey of Grace and Growth with a Special Needs Child. Kelly Speck is the author. The book officially comes out at the end of May. You can get an advanced copy now, signed personalized copy of the book um, in advance at hopeintheheartache.com. Uh, you also get a custom inspirational bookmark designed by the author's and a portion of the proceeds benefit the great work they do at Jill's house here in Northern Virginia. Visit them at jillshouse.org. The book again is Hope in the Heartache. Kelly Speck is the author. Thank you for being here and uh, give Bennett a big hug for us, would you? I will. Thank you so much, Burke. And thank you, Kathy. This has been a true honor. Thank you. Zoom into Books is our broadcast partner for the Big Time Talker podcast and our sponsor, SpeakerMatch.com. I'm Burke Allen in our studios here in Washington, D.C., what an uplifting story as we head into Mother's Day weekend. Thanks for being here. Now go out and make it a great day. Bye, everybody.